Welcome in to another episode of Bare Bones. As always, I am Mason West, doctor of physical therapy, who happens to have a passion for bears and sometimes has interesting takes on it. And back from the dead is Danny Meehan. Danny, how are you doing? Oh, I'm good. I took the lady to the Museum of Science and Interesting today, and uh, we went and saw the you know Christmas trees from around the world. We just got back from vacation in Charlotte, North Carolina, all that fun stuff. So it's been a nice, you know couple, two, three, four, five, six, you know, something like 13 days since I've been on, 14 days, two weeks, which not a big deal. Last week it was a bye week, and a little birdie told me you had our friend Kyrie Thompson back on. So that's always fun. Yeah, it's always good, you know, chopping it up with him. Kind of did a barbershop bears kind of a thing. So that was that was pretty fun. Good uh, <laughs> good shacks. Uh, can't officially call it that because I'm pretty sure there's legitimately a show out there called Bears Barbershop, so we can't go that far. I'm sure there is. There's something called everything. I'm shocked that when we came up with the name Bear Bones that that wasn't gone. Yeah, blown away. Um, but we have a, <laughs> I think, pretty cool show uh, for you guys today. We're going to talk about this Eagles game. Uh, but let's be real, the actual Eagles game itself will ha- only have a couple of bright spots. At least that's my impression going upon this game. So we had to bring in something pretty cool. Uh, was able to snag JT O'Sullivan of the QB school for an interview, right? Just was able to chat, just fields, QB one, dove a little bit into the Bears offense and actually had some some gems about some of the support supporting team around Justin as well. So let's launch right into that. Man, that's exciting. <laughs> Welcome in Bears fans in this special edition of Bear Bones where we are so, so lucky to have JT O'Sullivan from the QB school here. A uh, brief background, honestly, a guy that shouldn't need an introduction, but I'll give him a brief one as it is. Entered the league in 2002 when he was drafted by the Saints. Played for 10 other NFL teams, including your own Chicago Bears. And that's a lot of quarterback meeting rooms, a lot of brain power. And one thing I didn't know, 2017 completed his PhD in leadership studies from University of San Diego. So it's pretty cool to have another doctor on the podcast. JT, how you doing? What's up, Mason? Oh, I appreciate that uh, that introduction. It feels like a lot of football when you put it like that. And it is. And I, again, I said this when I when you first popped in. I'll say it again. I feel very lucky to have you on the show. I think, you know, the tips, the bits, the all the things you throw out there, whether it's on YouTube or on your Patreon, uh, it's, it's great when myself, I'm just an idiot who loves football and knows a bit about physical therapy. So to be able to take a lot of that and to hear your thoughts on those, these things, especially Justin Fields has been fantastic over the last couple of years. Well, I mean, I, I certainly appreciate the kind words. The uh, the Bears community, I guess, has been pretty great to me, and I, it's uh, it's been a nice connection just as far as believing in Justin Fields and seeing him get a, this opportunity to essentially flourish here over the over the last little bit, and to see what it will become moving forward has been a has been a fun from my end. So it's fun to see high level quarterback play, and when you see it, maybe uh, a tick earlier than other people have and see what it looks like now on Sundays. It's been pretty fun to see it and kind of flourish in his own here. One A more general question to start with. Seems like this has been a kind of a divisive topic of late. Where do you sit on using, you know, more pure progressions for young QBs versus true reads? Is there a general ratio, generational, excuse me, divide between QB teachers and evaluators when it comes to that? Yeah, well, I think you probably... <laughs> You know, it's a it's touchy depending on who you talk to, I guess, in, in those kind of worlds. I think for a lot of people, that stuff all just kind of blurs together. I think it's a little bit more of a systematic approach of how you're teaching offense, what you're asking the quarterback to do. I think uh, where I come down on that is probably a little bit of both. I think you can do both. 
and, and do both at a high level. I think some people are kind of either or. I think at the lower levels of ball, it's just easier to do pure progressions. And, mm-hmm. and then let me do a, let me quickly kind of define what those are for me because they probably mean different things for different people. Pure progression means, hey, no matter what the coverage is, you're going to read this thing one, two, three, depending on you know what that read is, what that concept is. Coverage reads to me are kind of based on the coverage of the defense, and it can be any number of things from middle field open, middle field closed, man, zone, uh, matchups. That's going to dictate the read. And I think you know when you do it the coverage way, you're able to threaten the defense uh, a little bit differently, but it makes things more complicated for a quarterback. And so I think you can carry both. I think most teams carry both. They might not bucket them in terms like we just did right there, or I just did. But, uh, but I think if you're not carrying both, you're probably leaving some offense uh, in the meeting room, if that makes sense. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. Um, so from when you started watching Justin Fields film at, at Ohio State to you know his first year in the NFL and now year two, what have you seen are his greatest improvements and what do you think are some of the holes still in his game? Well, uh, you know, honestly, it's a little bit hard to say just because of what I think he's surrounded with situationally. Yeah. Uh, as far as either talent or kind of, uh, you know, maybe the system he was in the first iteration of what he looked like. I think the things that we're seeing now are kind of exactly what was on the film and maybe even a better version of it. You know, I don't necessarily think that he was, you know, qu- quite called to be quite the runner that he naturally is and has been able to show. I think there's been flashes of it on his college film of him being able to hawk down somebody or to vertically accelerate like we've seen him do. But to say that we saw him, you know, take off and make the runs that he's made here over the last, you know, handful of weeks consistently on his college film, you know, I don't think anybody has. I think there were flashes of that. But for me, when I'm saying when I the things that I I would love to see for him, and and again, it's almost impossible when you you have to build the context of hey, this is the this is his situation right now as far as organizational needs at other positions and maybe some deficiencies that other young quarterbacks aren't dealing with that he's able to not only deal with but really elevate that offense and make it seem like it's much more competent than I probably think it is I think people probably overreacted early in the season as far as what maybe the deficiencies were and how just really tough it was going to be it's probably somewhere in the middle and I think Justin Fields has elevated a lot of those dudes and made them more serviceable than they probably are with other quarterbacks and in other systems. And so I just want to see him with some more talent, with a little bit more stable of a situation on both sides of the ball to be able to go out there and win some games and flourish. If there's one area that I've sometimes seen him, I don't even know if struggle is the right word, but just hasn't been as good as you think it would be, it's those grip it and rip it throws, right? Some of the wide receiver screens, things like that. How is that something that could potentially be worked on, you know, on the practice field and transition into games? Yeah, I mean, you certainly can work on that craft. I remember, shoot, 15 years ago seeing Tom Brady, you know, spend special teams periods working on those kind of under center, grip it and rip it type of quick screens that he was famous for for a long time. I think it's one of those things that becomes an intentional part of your off-season focus, you know, just because of maybe he wasn't asked to do it consistently. Maybe he's never been asked to do it. You know, maybe and this is me kind of grasping at straws here, you know, if there are deficiencies about maybe his upper body mechanics and maybe being a little bit longer than other guys in the league, it probably doesn't help on those kind of grip it and rip it throws. But at the same time, I can think of instances 
where he's gripped it and ripped it and even gripped it and like turned down throws and come off at different arm angles. So he certainly can do it. I think we're all just looking for a little bit more consistency when it comes to that. The other thing about it is, hey, let's make it a point of emphasis. Let's get the ball out of his hands a little bit quicker. Let's get those quick game things, you know, more of a part of their DNA to be able to take some of the hits off or take some of the holding on to the ball off that can come from whether it's confidence about his ball control accuracy in those grip it and rip it situations. I think it's unfortunately, that's why it's probably more complicated than I'm making it seem that they it's got to be all of those things, right? It's got to be systematically calling them, designing them, but him executing them at a better level as well. All of those things can go into it. Yeah, absolutely. I think after with the full off season with, as you've kind of been alluding to uh, different casts, we might see that, that shift as well. And one thing you did talk a lot about consistently in your videos, uh, whether it was last year or at the beginning of this year, was using Justin as a runner, as the athlete he is, right? And then from the Patriots game on, we saw the, the Bears do that. He had 14, 18, 15, 13, and 18 rushes. You know, that 18 was in the Atlanta game where, unfortunately, he got hurt. Injuries were a bit of a part of that leading up to that game. He noted he had heavy legs, you know, and to be a video to me when I analyzed it, I, I felt he was a little slow on that scramble where he ultimately got hurt. And then the last game, he only had six rushes, but it was for 71 yards, which is pretty amazing. Where is the sweet spot when it comes to those quarterback runs, knowing that, you know, he's going to have those RPOs, RSOs, and scrambles that are the, the un, uncalled plays that he's still going to take advantage of? Yeah, I mean, that that's the kind of forever question, right? I, I think it the and unfortunately, the answer probably lies somewhere in the middle of kind of less, and it depends. So for me, I'm always going to want to run the quarterback, especially a talented like Justin Fields, in the tight red area, uh, in meaningful short yardage, down a distance. I think that the decision-making for me element of it is, is how are we running him? You know, I think for a guy who kind of struggles to slide, I don't know, you know, I don't pretend to know what his background is, if he played baseball or what, but every slide is like a pop-up double. You know, like he thinks he's not going to get hit. For me, I'm, you know, I'm going back on my back far, try to protect myself, those types of things that I think can help. But I also think he doesn't take a whole lot of like crazy hard shots. So he, you do see him, you do see them call a, a lot of what I consider like gap run schemes between the tackles. Those things for me are, are more heavy hitters versus kind of the edge pin and pull sweeps zone reads where you're out in space and can kind of protect yourself a little bit more. So if you're going to call like power read or bash counter, those types of things, I think you have to be a little bit more conscious of, but I'll be honest, I still think they have to call them and probably more higher volume than just about anybody, but maybe like a Lamar Jackson ish. And a Lamar is a similar type of guy for me who, even though they're calling quarterback runs, he rarely takes big shots. So he's got great body control. He's got great awareness. He can protect himself. But at the end of the day, you know, there, there's certainly still an element of, you know, the ability to potentially get hurt, unnecessary hits. I think the question for me, if I was around Justin Fields football wise, I would say, hey, let's let's think about taking hits off the entire area of the game. So you can take a lot of hits off just getting the ball out a little bit quicker. We can get take hits off by calling quicker plays, perimeter screens, quick game, intermediate timing routes. You know, I, I think we've slowly started to see some anticipation creep into his game. I, I would categorize it as, you know, very lowercase a anticipation, but there have been elements of it where kind of he's gotten screwed because he's trusted guys and they failed him on the perimeter for turnovers. But I want to see some anticipation. All those things for me 
go into, and of course, better pass protection, better dudes on the perimeter, go into taking hits off the quarterback. And when you're going to ask your quarterback to run it, like they have to ask Justin Fields to run it. I think all those things matter in the aggregate. Well, and you mentioned those anticipation throws and you, yes, the Packers came. There was a couple of rough ones in there. And I think I looked at when I saw it and I think you said the same thing in some of your videos, how it was because, you know, there was some rough, rough routes by some of the dudes that were running those routes uh, for the rest of the season. How does that anticipation grow? I mean, is that really something that has to get done in the off season or is there still change that can be made this year? Assuming there's going to be some new dudes next year. I, it, yeah, it can be both. I think the big leaps will come in the off season with better personnel and just more time into it. I think the other things that I would love to see are, are some of the things that they're asking him to do. So some, if we're going to categorize anticipation throws, to me, it's about getting the ball out of your hands before the receiver or eligible is really ready. You're kind of throwing them open with your timing and your accuracy. So for me, I'd like to see some, some anticipation throws outside the numbers. You know, you'll see uh, an easy example is like Jared Goff recently. Big play action shots outside the numbers, anticipation safe throws. So if he slips or if you're not perfectly lined up, it's not a, a curl kind of turnover type throw where a guy's mm -hmm. standing there and it hits him in the chest. It's a, it's a us or nobody tying the shot. And I think those types of throws also take hits off quarterbacks. And so it's, it's about being smart with the pass protection unit, but maybe not like time you like you see a lot of teams do play action what i'm used to calling like a drift post where or a post kind of like over the curl defender where you can kind of anticipate it you see Tua do it a lot those are timing nuanced detailed routes where you need dudes on the perimeter and you need a system and scheme and time invested in that that's not necessarily what i'd want to see from justin fields right now i think eventually absolutely you're, you're kind of missing the boat if you're not doing that everybody in the league is seemingly running those types of routes but I just want to see some growth as far as the vision, timing, rhythm of the game in the dropback world for him to be able to kind of take it and build on a stronger foundation moving into next year. Now, you know, your channel is a QB school, not the RB school, but you you were you did talk about in the last video with that Packers, how there were some weird, weird is the word I'm going to use, uh, looks and, and that the Bears employed, you know, in, terms of, in their run game. Um is this out of necessity, just something they need to survive? Or is this there's some of these schemes something that's actually sustainable the rest of this year and going into next year even? I mean, it's it's hard for me to say it. And that, that's the frustrating part for anybody who's not in the building and probably even for guys who are in the building because only they know the rules that they're run game specific and those plays are asking those guys to do. We can just look at the film and say, hey, I can tell you what this run play rules normally are. I can tell you what the math is as far as, hey, do we have enough people to block this? And if we don't, what are our tools system-wise to be able to overcome it? Is it an RPO? Is it a screen? Is it bringing someone else into the run unit? All these rules, angles, things that I think that most times if you're going to see a high-level functioning run offense, you're going to have high volume of runs, uh, meaning you're going to have a bunch of different runs, whether you major in zone, whether you major in gap, whether you major in whatever iteration of run you want, but you're going to have answers off of that and what that looks like to not have unblocked guys at the line of scrimmage at the first level, running downhill at the second level to be able to do that. I don't think we've seen very much of what I would categorize as you know, good vertical RPO options for Justin Fields. I don't think we've had people blocked up consistently in the run game in the first, second level of the defense. And so those types of things that you want to see just 
polished. And I know they're dealing with all sorts of issues up front. And, you know, there's an element of that at every team. But when you have guys unblocked at the point of attack, you know, those are concerning elements for me when I'm looking at a run game without knowing the rules of systematically what they're asking their guys to do. Yeah, absolutely. So four games left in the schedule against the pretty solid teams, Eagles, Bills, Lions, and Vikings. Oh, yeah. What what would you like to see Justin do in those four games to show some progress? And then more globally, where would you like to see where would you like to see this offense go over the next four weeks? Whew. I know. Big I question. Mean, well, I mean, I, I'm just not sure how much there is, to be honest with you. I, I think it would be, uh, you know, obviously would love to win. Right. And, and mm-hmm. find a way to kind of uh, and not just on Justin Fields here, but organizationally find a way to make these games close and have a chance, an opportunity to win them at the end. And, and, you know, what that looks like and how they're able to do that against those four opponents is going to be tough. It really is. It's going to be tough uh, for any week. And so I, I would like to see something close to, you know, an opportunity for Justin Fields to win a game at the end in the fourth quarter when it matters and not kind of go into that kind of what I think of as like force ball where you're kind of learning situational ball when it matters in these crucial, not, not that these games matter in December, but hopefully the next time around, they will matter in December and to be able to take those kind of in-game moments as learning opportunities and not just flush them because, Hey, we're playing opponents that look significantly better than us on paper. That would be the first thing. The other thing is just healthy. Like let's come out of this thing without any sort of like craziness so that we can go into the off season and build. Because I think that there, even if you were to end the season right now, I would feel from the outside looking in, that they've got a lot of momentum offensively, quarterback-wise, to be able to grow this thing around Justin Fields. Now, will they have the capacity to do it? What do they do in the draft? Those are all questions for down the road. But I just want to see him come out healthy. I would love for him to come out with some situational experience and meaningful December games, meaningful for him to win a game You know, in the fourth quarter, have a comeback, have that kind of flourish moment to be able to build on those types of things that you can't duplicate in the off season. Cause you can duplicate, you know, the route running, the anticipation, the accuracy, the, the fine tuning of, of the, of your stroke, of your footwork, all those types of things, but you can't replicate two minute drives. You can't replicate, you know, f- coming, fighting back or hold, being smart with the ball or getting the ball out of your hands quickly. Those types of things that I think you can grow and improve on. But at the same time, even if it ended right now, like the season's over for the Bears, I still think that they have a lot of momentum already. You just don't want to lose anything. You don't want to have anything seep away because of a silly injury or put yourself in harm's way for something that, you know, unforeseen that could really kind of screw with your development over the offseason. One thing you kind of touched on there, there's a bit of a divide right now like with Bears fans and Bears media even in terms of what they want the season to be and how important certain aspects are. So, for example, that game-winning drive. So how important is it for a guy like Justin to get that game-winning drive under his belt versus the tank loss? You know, it does that outweigh the the moving down in, on the draft in way in, way in spring? Yeah, I guess I don't even uh, – maybe classifying it as – binary as win loss isn't the best way to do it to me i i want to see a high level situational ball it can be even the end of a first half you know th- those types of drives are, are similar to game winning drives at the end of the end of the fourth quarter i think for me i just want to see him execute situational ball at a higher level that can be third down that can be critical fourth downs uh, it can be as simple as saying hey let's win a game but i don't really care if you're drafting third six whatever 
th- those are situations for someone else to worry about. If you're the quarterback, you're playing, you want to win. And I think you need to learn to win at the NFL level. And so whether you learn to win this December once or twice, or you learn to win next September, at some point, Justin Fields and the Bears, specifically offensively, are going to have to learn to produce in critical moments and come from behind and have those winning football moments if they want this thing to turn into what I think all Bears fans want, eventually working towards a championship. You have to learn to do that at some point. You know, maybe it, you know, it hurts you draft wise here to sneak one of these out, but I don't think any Bears would turn down a win versus any of these opponents coming up for an opportunity for us to kind of get better moving forward. The kind of that trampoline effect for me, you want to keep that. Not that I necessarily believe in momentum going into the offseason, but at some point, you're going to have to learn to win. You don't want to have to learn to win in week five next year when you're 0-4. You know, those types of things, that's that's not the look we're going for. So I, I think that there is a sweet spot as far as getting better at situational ball that you can't duplicate in the offseason and feeling like we've got that momentum going in the same direction that we want and keeping everyone healthy and feeling like we've got that strong foundation to do what we want to do offensively moving forward. So put on your offensive coordinator hat for me. Uh, what kind of player position would you be pounding the table for the bears to get this off season, whether that be in free agency or in the draft to help Justin? I mean, <laughs> I, I personally don't, I wouldn't even say that I'm comfortable enough going through their personnel other than the fact to tell you, when I turn on the film, it doesn't look like they've got just about any pro bowlers on their roster right now, if that makes sense offensively. So I, you're looking to have some guys who you can build around to be the pillars, whether that's up front, where I think they could get significantly better at certain positions, whether that's on the perimeter with guys who, you know, everybody wants a true one, right? Like that's no hot take like that. We'd love to have a number one receiver out there. Well, you either have to get lucky or you have to pay somebody. And even then, you, you have to get a little bit lucky. So, yeah, we'd love to, you know, elevate the personnel group for everybody who catches the ball. But, I mean, I, you know, everybody needs to get better. I, I think that they're going to have to be systematic about how they go about it. I'm obviously, as a quarterback, always going to want to invest in the offensive line and the perimeter skill players. You know, I, I don't think my – I don't have any hot takes as far as, you know, upgrading the running back game or, you know – even, you know, everyone's favorite eligible tackle, I think, is, is is you know, serviceable and shown that he's been able to do things. I think that there are be- got better guys, certainly, that play that position and that can separate versus man coverage better. But, you know, I just want I, – I feel like the first thing, and, and this is just my own issues with how I think about football, I always think about the line of scrimmage. You know, obviously, everybody wants a quarterback. It, that goes without saying. But to feel like you're secure in being able to – dominate the line of scrimmage when you need to dominate the line of scrimmage really on both sides of the ball. You know, you you could easily turn this and flip this and make yourself the defensive coordinator and have the same questions, same issues on the other side of the ball. So until the bears for me solidify the, you know, line of scrimmage, I I don't think that they're ever going to be as good as they want to be consistently. It doesn't mean you're not going to get flashes from Justin Fields, just doing crazy stuff with the ball in his hands, but consistently winning the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball needs to be a immediate upgrade. Last thing I got for you, I think the rivalry between Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence, right, going back to high school, college conversation, all that is something I'm really excited about. I really am pumped for the 30 for 30 in 20 years when they throw that out there. So far from what you've seen, you just did a video on Trevor Lawrence as well. Please go to his Patreon to check that out. I thought it was really interesting. 
how are you comparing Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields? They couldn't be in any different situations, of course, but what do you got on that? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they, they, it has been a weird thing to watch from afar. I will say the, the thing for me, and I think there is some recency bias just to what you alluded to, Trevor Lawrence is playing really good football right now. Like really, really good football, shockingly good football from what we've seen up until probably the last month-ish, maybe plus month. And his growth has been really impressive and really specifically with his footwork in the passing game and the, and the way that the ball has been able to come out of his hands a little bit. I think it, it's a combination of a lot of things. But for me, the thing that I always think about with Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence is I, I've always felt that Trevor Lawrence has been in a little bit better of a situation seemingly everywhere, if, if that makes sense. And I feel like I'm making excuses a little bit. But whether it's, you know, transferring in college, whether it's, you know, the organization that he comes into the league with. Now, obviously, Trevor Lawrence was in a rough spot as well his first year. That was a LOL on many different levels, right? But we're kind of past that. But for me, I, the, the separator and really one of the separators that I used during the draft process of it was I, I thought that Justin is a little bit better of an athlete, is a little bit better of a downfield thrower his ability to drive the ball down the field. And then the thing that I thought that just jumped, because I don't know either of those cats personally, but just watching the film, it felt like Justin Fields played tougher. And what I mean by that is I don't mean like he's a tougher dude. I mean that he was t he took some shots in some of those games, and he finished those games in big boy shots. And I felt like Trevor Lawrence was really never asked to be in that situation for Clemson. Maybe that's because of the situation that Clemson was in. But I just felt like he played the quarterback – Justin Fields played the quarterback position tougher for me when I compared those two head-to-head. -head. And that was really one of the separators for me. I just felt like he could endure what the league makes you go through as far as kind of being in a meat grinder in the pocket eventually getting hit, dealing with the toughness of it. And I think you've already seen some of those things from Justin Fields. And I think we'll see Trevor Lawrence could grow into to that and, and be that kind of guy eventually. But – just looking at the college film, that was kind of that was one of the major separators for me. Was I just felt like he could he he showed some toughness in the pocket, doing different things that wasn't on Lawrence's film, and so it was tough. I mean, they're, they're both got the capacity to be really great guys and really great players for a long time. I really do think it's going to depend on you know how this works out in their both organizations. I think you know you might not want to hear this but historically neither one of those organizations have been great situations for quarterbacks you know no, that's just the, that's just the reality of it and so if if one of them or both of them can overcome that uh you know they're they're probably in pretty good spots i know Doug Peterson better than i know anybody in chicago and so i really like the way that Doug deals with quarterbacks i've been in quarterback meeting rooms with Doug we've been on the same roster i know how he thinks he's got a high level he's got a great understanding of protecting the quarterback putting them in positions to be successful and i think you see that already with Trevor Lawrence, and I and I hope for that with Justin Fields and the Bears. Yeah, I thought that was a home run hire when when the Jaguars got Doug Peterson. So that that was really fortunate for Trevor Lawrence because, like you said, that first year was LOL as you put it. <laughs> oh, nice JT, way. thank you so much for popping on. This was awesome. Bears fans are going to love this, and you keep doing what you're doing because all that Justin love you're putting out there is uh, we are gobbling it up. I'm going to throw myself out there. I am fanboying hard with Justin, and I hope he continues to improve as as we've seen. Oh, my pleasure, Mason. I appreciate it. It was a fun conversation. Boy, was that fun. <laughs>
Well, and that right there is going to be a nice spot for us to take a short break here before we dive into see uh, our reaction to that interview and then previewing that Eagles game. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, Danny. So, first thoughts on what JT had to say about the Bears, about the, the about Justin specifically, and, and what they have. So actually with the Bears, I'm, I'm going to avoid, not avoid, but I'm going to uh, back burner the Justin Fields uh, and Bears talk for one second because he said something probably two-thirds of the way through the interview that really I liked. And I know he says it a lot on his channel, but I know we have a different platform than him where not everyone is going to be watching quarterback school-specific videos like people like you and I might in our spare time. He said something like he only knows progressions on film the way he was taught or the way he learned in certain situations. And I know for myself as an NFL draft fanalist, not an expert, just a guy who watches college game tape and stuff, he brought up how he knows how he's taught to, to read it. But everything we are doing is only an educated guess when you're when you're talking about who's supposed to pass off who in defensive coverages or who's supposed to how he's supposed to read a, a progression in a pat in, in a, in a and pass reading and pass routes, you know? So it's always nice to have that kind of, you know, level of expert, a guy who was in 10 or so quarterback rooms coming up to the league saying the same thing. Like he goes, I don't know how they coach this. I don't know what they're preaching in those rooms and in that building. This is only an educated guess. And the educated guess is just that you don't know what they're preaching in these rooms to these guys. So that's just something I personally really appreciated. Um, I guess the thing that always that, that really struck me off, off off rip in terms of Bears and Justin Fields was his comments on toughness regarding Fields. Like we all knew he was tough, yep. and maybe it's recency bias. Like oh, that's the last thing I heard in the in the interview itself. Which you you did, you did a great job with him, Mason. I, I wish I would have been able to hop on to chime in with some questions myself because I had a couple things pop up as like I was listening, but. Um, I, I I found that strange because he kept mentioning in the pocket, in the pocket, because one of the things I personally mentioned when it came to Trevor is it sometimes felt like he needed to get a shot out of the pocket at Clemson to almost feel like he was in the game. It was kind of like I always akin it to a boxer, like a slugging boxer who only needed who needed to get that shot in the face in order to know, like, all right, this is a fight. Like so it's just interesting to hear like different perspectives and different takes from different people who like, especially guys who know way more about football. JT O'Sullivan has forgotten more about footballing than I'll ever know kind of oh, thing, yeah, you know? Sure. Um, so that caught my eye, you know, the, the stuff about fixing the offensive line first. And I fully appreciate his candidness of, I don't know the roster the way fans do or the way experts on the bears do, but you know, his thing of, you know, I know it's become in vogue and stuff to look at the, the metrics of EPA and, and yards added and all those things when it comes to uh, like offensive skill players being the addition, but him, even as a former quarterback saying they want to feel protected. 
And Justin is that case, like he's the anti-Burrow. Burrow, like all the metrics showed Burrow did better when he was just able to get the ball, get that ball, get the ball out. Whereas Justin, from our friend Jonathan Wood uh, that we, I've mentioned on this show before, was kind of the inverse of that, right? Where it showed he was better when you protect him, that you don't maybe necessarily need to invest as much into the skill positions as long as you give him more time to work. But, you know, that's just what it is. Yeah. And you hit on a lot of good points. A lot of the ones I would have brought up. Um, the only other one I think that I would that a highlight is, I think JT did a good way of saying without saying the the weapons aren't good. They're just yeah. they're not. There aren't any tools, right? Um, he, he the running joke with, with Cole Komet, right? The uh, eligible the, tackle. Everyone's favorite eligible yeah. tackle. Yeah. Uh, and and I'm a Cole Komet stan in a way. You know, I, I was always the one that says like. This offense is broken, and that's why he hasn't found the end zone. And then once Justin opened it up, he found the end zone. Uh, sure. But, yeah, as you said, there are definitely more skilled tight ends out there. But at the end of the day, the question is, can Justin turn guys who are okay to good into potentially even great? Well, that, and, that's like the old old uh, Jerry Angelo quote, right? That's after he acquired Jay Cutler. Good quarterbacks make average receivers good, good receivers great, and great receivers elite. Absolutely. Like. It sounds like an old, you know, trope, but kind of it's kind of true in a way. The other thing that I really wanted to mention that caught my ear because it goes back to like when we you and I spoke last, just prior to that Packer game, and we were talking about should they run Justin Moore? And I told you, like, yeah, they, they need to run him. This is the offense. This is part of what makes him special. Like it, it's not what he showed in Ohio State, it's not what any of us really pictured, but I think it's showing that that's really valuable to him. He's much more akin to Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson at this level from what we've seen than he is something like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of like a guy who can run, but I guess Josh Allen, like guy who throws deep but can run when he needs to. Like I'm I'm just spitballing off the top of my head, but he's much more akin to that than he is like a – premier pocket passer who can run he is a a running quarterback at this juncture and that's what he's best at and that's okay you can be a franchise changing player being that we know that this day and age and i am excited to see who probably won't be next year but you know as justin's career continues to move forward can they take a eagles like approach get some weapons around him right get a sure. get a dude like an aj brown get a and that's the funny part right you have a Devonte smith who when he's i have on my fantasy team and he pisses me off because he aj brown is the <laughs> but like if he was on the bears he'd be the dude like that, that's that's the thing you're oh, there be quite easily is, the dude is a a a a a on the bears so you know there's there's a plethora of, of talent there same thing with like the dolphins right you look at tua you know he's got Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, and Jalen Waddle again would be the dude on the Bears, but he's just the number two currently in Miami. Right. But that, that's a good way to wrap it up. Uh, leading into a little bit of Eagles talk, time to chat a little bit about what is going on with the Bears coming off a bye and the injuries that might be going on here. Uh, so we're just going to highlight what's this uh, injury report. Uh, Danny, how do you cure the common cold? Um, you sh- take crystals and put them in your belly button and you drink honey green tea. Am so I right? What, what you're alluding to sarcastically is that <laughs> it happens in December and that you just get sick. And it's almost like we are only coming into the second holiday seasons 
post lockdown for almost two years and immune immune systems lower when you're not around things that your body has to build up against. It's very strange. I am not a doctor. I am not the good doctor of the show like you are. I am saying that use your brain, people. This is people get sick. Immune immune systems go down when the weather gets worse. It's just how it works, especially in the holidays when guess what? You're around more people than usual. Yep, spending less time outside, you're indoors more. AC and you know heat heat systems and all that are just recycling air back to us. And specifically for the Bears, they were on a buy last week. They were out and about. I'm pretty sure at some point I saw Justin might have been in New York. Uh, I think that's what I saw too. Yeah. So like, yeah, and then yeah. So he maybe he picks a little something up on a plane ride back from New York. It wasn't crazy that no one else that day was sick. But also, lo and behold, you look at the injury report today, Dan Montgomery was sick. They were probably sharing a meeting room at some point during at the beginning of this week. It's going to happen. We just got to hope that, you know, obviously that after a couple of days, this goes away. But again, this is common. We're just not used to it. I mean, it's just I hate the tinfoil hat people. It's like, and you and I both know who we're alluding to. If you spend enough time on Bears Twitter, everyone watching our show knows exactly who I'm alluding to. This team does not need to sit Justin Fields out for illness to tank the season. When they openly traded their all-pro middle or all-pro off-ball linebacker and the guy who set the franchise record in sacks last year, who is now a healthy scratch, I believe, on the past few weeks for Philadelphia, they were openly tanking the season. They weren't hiding from it. Like, come on. Yeah, it's it's rough. It's I get it. I mean, but on the plus side, Mason. On the plus side, I have eggnog. (laughs) Oh, I have some in the fridge. I I wish you told me I would have grabbed my eggnog. Oh well. But to the injuries that are more relevant, uh, Trayvon Wesco, calf, I mean, he went down pretty hard. Uh, Two DNPs, wouldn't see them rushing him back anytime soon. And then one of the bigger ones, we already talked about Dan Montgomery, probably just cold flu, should be able to play, is going to be Chase Claypool, right? Two DNPs Mm -hmm. in a row for that knee. He did go down and finish the Packers game, but at the time I didn't love that injury, and I was surprised he came back when he did. I was shocked that he was up and moving the way he was almost immediately. Yeah. And he had a buy to recover. Um, Sometimes how things are managed in a professional training room is not the correct way to manage it, even across a week's rest. That's that's all I'm going to say to that. Um, I would be surprised if Chase plays this week based off of what I've heard. It's unfortunate we'll have to, we'll have to deal with his, two drops and one spectacular catch being gone. <laughs> it, it is really hurting my chance of winning that bet I have that he's going to average, I think it was 36 yards uh, for the rest of the Dude, It's, <laughs> it's been a tough season. go. Uh, and I really do like Chase from back in his college days and what he offers athletically at that size and speed. But, man, it's just it's – been a, it's been tough sledding to start his Bears tenure. Uh, for the for the Eagles, uh, ridiculously long report that doesn't actually show anything. Everyone just rested, uh, which you can do when you're at twelve and one team. Um, really, the, but the one that is important is Reed Blankenship, uh, one of their starting safeties. <laughs> is, Middle Tennessee State's finest, my friend. 
is is did not play t- twice. Looks like likely he's going to be out. So you're looking at their second string free safety for all that does you. Yay. That's all. That's all we really need to, to talk about. That the Eagles are going to yeah, be healthy, I mean, full out. I mean, what are you going to do? The, this is going to be a really rough defensive showing because even the best defenses have trouble with Jalen Hurts on his potential MVP rampage. Let alone this team trotting out guys that aren't going to be in the NFL next year. And let, let's talk about it. <laughs> let's let's talk about this <laughs> this game and what it could be, should be, would be, all that jazz. Uh, This team, the Eagles ranked second in offensive DVOA, first in rush DVOA, and fourth in pass DVOA. I didn't even bother looking at the Bears stuff again. Are you saying it's good? Is that good? It it real good. It's a real good offense. (laughs) Shane Steichen. There he is. And and that's the thing. Like I I have a hard time. I know some people have mentioned Sirianni to be uh, coach of the year. And you can see, I mean, yes, he's coaching this team. He's the offensive guy. He's the reason why this is this is moving along. But at the same time, man, this is a really good team just in terms of it how it was constructed. It is. And like you and I were talking pre-show, how amazing is it that the guy that constructed this roster again was essentially banished to the shadow realm and Howie Roseman, and now he's back and he's doing this. And that actually leads perfectly to a little, a little spiel I want to give on roster construction and what Howie Roseman did. And because that's kind of where the Bears are going to be heading, right? Uh, last yeah. last week when Kyra was on the show, I talked about how really no team has ever traded down and gotten two first-round picks in the same year. Sometimes that's because of availability, and sometimes that's for other reasons. But uh, that doesn't happen often. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't trade down if you think that the value is there. Reason being, and forgive me for this little bit of length that's going to go on here, when you look at what the Eagles have done. Back in March of 2021, they traded Carson Wentz to the Colts for a conditional first-round pick, became a number 16 overall, and a third. Who cares? Then in later in March, they acquired a 2021 first-round pick, which was number 12 overall, a fourth, a future first, giving up and because they traded down from number six. Right. This is from the Miami Dolphins. Then later in April, they acquired that 2021 first-round pick, which they used to select Devontae Smith by trading with the Dallas Cowboys, in exchange for a 2021 first round pick, which became Michael Parsons, really both teams I'm sure are very happy with that trade, and a third round pick. So basically they gave up a third to move up two spots, right? That's because of some of the equity they acquired. Then with that Miami first round pick from the previous year, they used that along with the fourth and two fifth round selections to trade up with Houston to get Jordan Davis, who has not played a lot, but is disruptive and a freak. And oh my God, I'd love to have him on a team. In the draft, the Eagles in 2022, they traded two first-round picks, 16 and 19, and a 2022 sixth for a 2022 first, number 18. A third, a, a 20, sorry, 2023 first-round pick, a 2024 second-round pick, other ones, whatever. And they traded that first-round pick at 18 and a third-round pick for A.J. Brown. The Eagles got this pick from the Saints. With all of that said... One of the best offenses in football owns the New Orleans pick in 2023, which is currently fifth, <laughs> right? And they still own their pick wherever that ends up. Long story short, like, yes, they could have picked some pretty good players at number six, for example, with shit they traded to the Dolphins, you know, where they were at in that, that draft. It, trading back and getting future first at times really does benefit your team and allows you to do things like get Jordan Davis to get AJ Brown and to have a fifth round pick when you are 12 and one. It also shows that the largest market inequity in football is still having a 
a quarterback on a rookie contract, especially a good quarterback on a rookie contract. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And because what is what is a I want to say Hertz's cap hit this year is like eight hundred thousand. Like Something come, like that, yeah. It's like he's so cheap. Like, and you can do that when this guy is having a veteran minimum contract cap hit of a four-year vet. Like, like it's not going to be that way forever. This offseason, you're probably going to see him get broke off a nice contract because I don't see how there's any way that Philadelphia can move off of him at this point because that was the talk, right, that this was his prove-it year. Like, hey, yeah, right. you, show, you showed you got better last year, but, you know, do it again. And he did do it again. He's he's probably, in my opinion, because you can't give Pat Mahomes the MVP every single year, is likely your MVP this year. That's just my two cents. I have no vote. I have no inside information. I just correct. J- John is correct that his because he was a second round pick. He's a four year deal, not a five year. But, all, but even with that, though, I mean, they are taking heavy advantage, like you said, Danny, of how yeah. well he is playing and. You, you pick so rarely, in theory, in the top five if your team is getting better. Howie Roseman decided, I think this team still has potential. I'm going to use this equity I have, this leverage, to create future equity and leverage that will continue to roll on itself. Now, mm-hmm. I love – I think Jalen Carter is going to be a beast. I would not be mad if they drafted a Jalen Carter. And you can insert a couple other players into that spot as well. The, the pick you make there, that's it. That's the player. That's who you have. That is not creating future wealth that is needed for potentially, I think, a team that has a ton of holes. And that's something that JT talked about. JT talked about how it's not just the offensive line. It's not just the weapon. There's a lot of holes here. It's also not just one side of the ball for the Bears. <laughs> yeah, that's not even mentioning it right. The defense, like, are we? is the secondary solved? No. Are the linebackers solved? They no. Probably the pass rush is abysmal. They probably need six new starters in their front seven. Oh, anyway, so moving on. Let's move. move on. <laughs> All right. Now that we're going to move on to our love it, hate it, rehabilitate it, uh, where we're going to pick a, a matchup, a player, something like that, that we love, hate, or want to fix in this game. Danny, what do you love about this game? Um, in terms of this matchup, I mean, not a whole lot. That Philly front's going to wreak absolute havoc. Uh, the Bears aren't good enough to get open against the likes of Darius Slay amongst who else, the other players within that secondary. Um, I mean, at least there's Justin Fields, and Justin Fields is fun, and he had another week to nurse that shoulder back to health, and against the Packers, that shoulder really didn't look to be an issue at all, which I know was a, point of, a bit of a point of contention between you and I leading into that game that you and I thought – you know, kind of differently. If he's ready to play, let him play. If not, sit him kind of thing. But that's my love. It's just the fact that Justin Fields is playing football again. And I guess I really enjoy how Jaquan Brisker plays football, and I think we've seen him grow up a little bit in front of us. Like, he still has his gas. He's a rookie safety in the NFL, but I think he's going to be a really good player for a really long time in a Bears uniform. And I know when we talked about that, uh, what was that, two weeks ago now? Um, yeah, two weeks. I... I was thinking that they were going to reduce the number of called carries because of the shoulder. And I, it seems like they did. They only called six compared to 18, 14, et cetera, the, mm-hmm. before that. I would expect that to go back up, right? I don't think that's going to be sure. six anymore. After the week, the shoulder should be pretty much, not 100%, no one's ever 100%, but 
as close as you're going to be during an NFL season where you separate your shoulder. Correct. My love, um, my love, and it's really quickly, I guess this is more related. John asked, uh, did you find it odd that Justin didn't get painkilling shot, Mason? Uh, I think that shows a couple of things. I think one, it shows that the at that stage, the week that he was playing during the Packers game, the pain was not to a point that he needed it. Number two, it shows some wherewithal in terms of some long-term ramifications of the shot. Um, it's not as bad as other joints for sure, but you know, long-term use of any corticosteroid or anything like that can definitely lead to ligament integrity issues. And that's a problem in a, even if it's the other side, that could be a problem for a quarterback talking about shoulder and could lead to future dislocations. Uh, even though this, yeah, this is a different, the AC joint is not the glender humeral. Keep that in mind, but that could still be an issue. I actually want to say your point, it's completely unrelated in terms of sport, but I want to say that's what inevitably caused the uh, shoulder reconstruction on Kerry Wood years ago was that it hurt, it hurt, it hurt. And he kept just getting it shot up because, you know, Kerry would have just had a pain tolerance like none other. And eventually that's those shoulder muscles and ligaments are just like no moss dude like can't do this no more sorry complete you know just woo. Oh, good. no absolutely and that's and that's 100 valid uh you don't want to start a snowball effect but yeah so i'm not am i i'm not surprised or nor do i find it odd i just think he was in a outside of the bears training room he's got a very good team that is handling his rehab well let's put it leave it at that um my love, I didn't even get to say, it, is that Ryan Poles gets to sit back and watch firsthand what a dynamic QB who was in a prove-it year, all the haters around saying that, you know, he wasn't it, what that quarterback can do when given the proper weapons and offensive line. And I hope he has his notebook out and saying, okay, this is what we need to do going forward is to make because everyone for a while was talking about how the Bills were the building block, maybe say, hey, this is what we should be doing for Justin. Mm -hmm. Uh, the Eagles are a prime example of what we should be doing for Justin. Right. I would tend to agree with that. Uh, my hate, I'll just dive right into it, is this Eagles pass rush versus the Bears O-line. Uh, the Bears have <laughs> faced some better individual <laughs> talent in the past. Uh, like I think the Cowboys have a better right up front pass rush, but the Eagles, I think, have a much deeper D-line. And with that, the Eagles defense ranks number one in sacks and forced turnovers. So, uh, the Bears' offensive line has to be ready this week because uh, they're coming. Yeah, I would overall agree with your assessment of the pass rush against the Bears. The only thing the Cowboys really had on the Eagles, and it's the thing the Cowboys have on everyone at this point, especially because Aaron Donald is not the Aaron Donald we remember. Uh, Micah Parsons is just that guy. He's probably the single most dominant defender in the league at the moment in terms of what I believe to be dominant, the, the dominant forces, but neither here nor there. I mean, my, my hate is I just – I feel like I'm going to have nightmares of Dallas Goddard and AJ Brown and Devonta Smith just running rampant all over this defense. And just, there's nothing that they can do about it. Cause if you even slow them down a little bit, that means you're probably leaving Jalen hurts to kind of just run ramp, run around and uh, Jack Sanborn's five foot 5.240 speed to go catch him. <laughs> uh, verifying something is, is Goddard still out? Is, oh, you know what? I might have misspoke. I thought I saw Goddard might have come back. Sorry, let me double check. No, I'm just double. I am just double. still on IR, which hey, let's be real. Is that really the reason different between a Goddard and a um, uh, So that, that's that's the report I saw. I saw a couple days ago that his he was trending towards a week 15 return. So I'm like, what, a week early, right? So sorry, my mistake. <laughs> 
No, no, it's it's all good. Just want to make sure that uh, someone doesn't yell at us later for having wrong information. Because <laughs> um, heaven forbid we miss something, right? Oh, and Miles, don't forget Miles Sanders coming off arguably the best week of his career last week. So that's fun too. Oh, Miles Sanders is having a renaissance of a of a year. I mean, he was dead in the water the last couple, and it's just shifted so much. Yeah, uh, and rehabilitated. Uh, if you don't mind my jumping in, uh, do it. The offensive line has kind of been my rehab thing because so, I've always referred to rehab as a process. Um, I think that Tevin's been ob- objectively very, very good, and I was someone who thought he wasn't going to be on the team this coming year. Um, just go back and listen to my spot with Bill on on his show on our channel, uh, Bears Banter. And I'm actually really excited that it sounds like Leatherwood is probably going to get more snaps at right tackle this week. And in the limited duty he had upon rewatching the Packers game, I thought he was nothing short of good. Like he was like, it's he just was funny in- to, to be like, oh yeah, like uh, he was short. Good. <laughs> that That's our new benchmark. <laughs> like he's, but like for a guy who hadn't played and he's coming off of mono and everything and he's no, not you're right. You're right. Any co- he, like, I think even Lester Wilfong, who does our offensive line breakdowns, had him on, at 10 snaps as plus 10. That means he had 10 straight positive plays. He didn't let up a pressure. He didn't call, he wasn't the cause for a negative run, right? So that that's massive, especially if you factor in, like, let's say he plays well to finish out the season. Maybe you don't have to go throw the whole, the whole bag at Jack Conklin, you know? Maybe you can get more of a competition-based guy and spend all the money on Pochich and – and and you know, pick your other guard to replace Cody Whitehead, or pick, or pick your left tackle, and just say, here, here you go. Here's Elton Jenkins. This is your left tackle, whatever it might be. You know what I'm saying? That this upcoming offseason is going to be so interesting for me with the offensive line. For what you're exactly talking about, where you have a lot of maybes. Like so, Braxton Jones, they clearly really like him because he pretty much had sure. that starting job early. But could you upgrade him in the offseason? You absolutely could. But what is his ceiling? You have an Alex Leatherwood who you could you upgrade from what you know he is right now? You absolutely could. But what is his ceiling? So it's like you have the all other, this money. Where do you spend it? What do you just let develop? It's, it's going to be weird. The other part that's hard because you don't know what they think internally is you watch him. And I would argue that Justin has a hard time manipulating within the pocket, not breaking outside the pocket to go to go make time and space. So would they prioritize internal or inside protection over outside because they know Justin can just screw it? Like I can make make it myself and give him a cleaner pocket to just have and make his life to manipulate the pocket just to step in or slide right or slide left versus him trying to be Peyton Manning or Tom Brady inside the pocket. I genuinely don't know the answer to that. I'm just wondering aloud. And I just want to comment on this comment that's commenting in the comment section. I do not care about offensive line ratings and grades. I just straight up don't. Like ESPN had Sam Musselburgh as like a top five fucking center. I don't swear on the show often, but fuck these grades. I'm sorry. Like they had him. Sam Musselburgh as a top center. block and run block win rate by, by ESPN doesn't do it for you. Like, that's garbage. PFF is better. I'll give PFF it's better, but it's still not, like, 
great. Like literally they'll have plays where like I can see Braxton Jones getting bullied into Justin falling on his leg or falling onto the running back. I like Braxton Jones. I think he's going to be good or at a minimum solid, but don't give me this garbage about these grades. Watch the film and the film shows Braxton is okay. Right now he is okay. Could he be good? Yes. Right now. No. No. Okay, right in the middle. <laughs> He's fine. And that's what I'm saying. Like, could you upgrade him? You absolutely right. could. There is a left tackle out there in free agency that will be better than him right now. But his I don't know his ceiling. I don't. I'm sorry. At risk of, of ruining your mojo, what's your rehab? God damn it. Okay. My 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 rehab. Uh Bears rank seventh right now in offensive EPA per play on third down in the first quarter. Awesome. Love that. They rank 17th in offensive EPA per play on third down in the fourth quarter. Main reason is that they rank 23rd in drop back EPA. And the only reason it's not worse is they happen to be third in rush EPA on third down in the first quarter. So the fact that essentially, long story short, they can't drop back and throw in the fourth quarter, which matches the film and matches what we see. So my rehab rehabilitate is and also let Justin throw. I can't tell you how many times in the last couple of games, Packers game, right? It does there's, like, they there's a big throw, right? It's like, it's in the fourth quarter. Justin gets a beautiful 20 something, 30 yard pass. And then they run it three times in a damn row. Like throw it again. You know what that sounds like to me? That sounds like tinfoil hat Mason is coming out and they're actively trying to coach to lose the games. <laughs> Oh my God, don't even put that on me. I just think that Getsy's coaching scared or that someone is. I don't know if it's Eberflus telling Getsy. I don't know if it's Getsy doing it. There's something weird. Going. It's like throw the ball again. Just, just do. I would love to see it. Uh, that bomb to Nikhil Harry. Throw it right away. Next play. Why not? Crazy, I know, right? Insanity. Let's move on to our X Factors. Maybe cool down a little bit uh, for the Bears. Um, I'm going to go right into Colt Met. Uh, I think the run game is going to be the run game for the Bears at this point. It has consistently been that way. Uh, I'm if the Bears can get Cole going again, uh, felt wasn't super hot in the Packers game, and definitely wasn't when Trevor Simeon was was throwing the ball. Uh, that should and I would hope would open up things for whichever Bears receivers are actually playing next, this week. My expector for the Bears is old reliable JF one. That's it. <laughs> if you want to talk about the X factor for the. For the defense, I part of me really wants to say Kyler Gordon because the middle of the field is where where AJ Brown typically does a lot of his damage or has in the past. I don't know where he's doing a lot of it right now, but he's one of, for my money, probably the five most dangerous receiving weapons in the entire NFL. And he's kind of in terms of how he runs after the catch reminds me of a Golden Tate on steroids, where it's just like pissed off running and he's just out to go. Um, yeah, so I guess. Kyler Gordon, good luck if you're my X Factor because he's been nothing short of bad this year, which I don't think it's been fair with the coaching staff asking asked him to do majority of the season where it's been learned two positions on the fly as a rookie, one of the hardest positions, positional groups in general to to you know acclimate to in the NFL. But that's what they're asking him to do. My X Factor for the Eagles, uh similar to what I just talked about before, it's gonna be the pass rush. Uh, because they're going to mm-hmm. score. It's going to happen. So you don't have to worry about that part too much. Um, the question is how much can they potentially contain Justin, whether it's, you know, specifically with Justin running, whether it's with Justin creating extended plays, uh, and what's that end going to be, right? Are they going to allow the Bears to put up 30 something points? And is it going to be a surprising shootout? So if they can get to Justin 
you know, put pressure on, sack him, which actually the Bears offensive line has been better with giving up sacks. Uh, what is that? That's how they really continue. Not like that's really in doubt, but really win this game. That, that'd be my same one, honestly. Boom. Moving on. Um, offensive player of the game, who you got? Hurts. <laughs> Jalen Hurts, simple. Just – He's he, he he's playing like a man on a mission to me. Like he's got kind of like I know inevitably the the Panthers lost that that Super Bowl, but that like I kept I referred to it as the MVP glow when when uh Cam was on that tirade where it was just like yeah. holy crap, this guy is doing he, he was LeBron in football cleats that year. And I only made that comparison because of his size. Jalen Hurts has just got some – he's got that glow to him where it's like this dude doesn't care what you do to him. He's going to run it. He's going to throw it. He's going to make plays and make things happen. I – if Patrick Mahomes wasn't doing Patrick Mahomes things, you know, in terms of mm-hmm. the EPA is absurd. Uh, there's a graphic floating around her basically every single coverage, every single situation. Patrick Mahomes is the best. You know, if he mm-hmm. wasn't playing with a cast, that's Travis Kelsey and then everybody else, essentially. Uh, I would – Jalen Hurts would be my pick for MVP just with what he's doing. Uh, but as unfortunately, Patrick Mahomes exists in this timeline that we live in. Sure. So Hurts is my <laughs> is number two there. Uh, I'm going to stick with a bear just because uh, – I'd be sad right. if I didn't, I guess, just for, you know, the meme. So I'm just going to go with, I'm going to stick with Cole Komet. Uh, I'm going to say that he's going to get rack up some receptions down, down that seam. Uh, the linebackers for the Eagles aren't world beaters. I'm not like scared of them like some other teams maybe. So I got him. Uh, defensively, I have Jack Sanborn. He continues to play well. I mean, is he Roquan? No, but he is always in the right place even if it's a step or two behind the person he's supposed to be guarding or tackling, uh, he's racking up the tackles and he needs to be really good in this game, considering the rushing attack between Miles Sanders, Jalen Hurts that they have going on. My defensive player of the game, also just because I think the, the, the Eagles are really going to kind of share the love as it were defensively, where everyone's just kind of be making plays. Um, I'll actually go with the returning safety. I, I love the way that they really use Brisker, especially prior to that concussion where he's kind of been like a Jamal Adams chess piece, the way they used to use him in, in New York, where it was kind of like he'll just he'll float around, he'll be a dime backer, he'll be a you know, strong safety. He'll, he's doing a lot of little things where it's just kind of like they, they use him. A, I want to say he's actually second on the team in sacks still, which is kind of wild. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know – there's, so there's my defensive player in the game. I think he's going to have a nice game and a probably what is it minus nine at last check, like. Uh yeah, I think it. I, I don't think nine. it's gonna. I don't think it's gonna be particularly close, but he'll he'll do his damnedest. And that leads us to King of the North, aka the MVP. Who do you got? AJ Brown. For all the reasons you said, my fantasy team would love that. That'd be great. Uh, get me out of the quarterfinals. Um, I'm going to say, and I I know this is homery, but I'm going to say Justin Fields, and this is why. I think when the whistle blows at the end of that fourth quarter, you're going to look at what Justin did on the ground and in the air and compare it to what Jalen did on the ground and in the air, and you're going to be like, Justin did that with the cast that he has compared to what Jalen did with the cast that he has. The amount of disrespect that Byron Pringle is catching right now is unneeded. 
God, man, I wish Pringle was better. He's just not. That's <laughs> why I picked him specifically because I know, <laughs> I know the feeling. Oh man, um, and that leads to our over unders. Uh, so we're gonna rattle off a couple here and see what Danny's got. Over under fifty yards rushing for Justin Fields. Over. I mean, just because of the breakaway runs he has. It's amazing. Like, he just has a 40-plus yard run every single game. It's like, have you watched the, the film? But that doesn't actually even matter because, actually, the Packers schemed it perfectly to stop that one touchdown he had, and he just said, I don't care. And Doesn't he have the most run. runs of 20-plus miles per hour in the NFL this year? And he's a quarterback? Yep. And he also has, I think it's like the most 50-plus yard runs and touchdown, like, in a career. <laughs> in, in one, And still in leads the league. We is like what top seven or eight in the league in rushing by like and he hasn't played two weeks. Yeah, he's still on pace to break the record for quarterback rushing it's, rushing yards. Yeah, he's, he's stupid, stupid things. Uh, over under ten total tackles for Jack Sangod. Over no one, no one else is making a tackle. <laughs> Someone's got to do it. Uh, let's flip it. Over under fifty rushing yards for Jalen Hurts. I'll say under, but because he doesn't need to. Did he just? They're just throwing the ball over the place, <laughs> or giving it to Miles Sanders? Like, why subject your MVP candidate to unneeded hits if he doesn't need to? Hey, you're not wrong. Uh, over under seven and a half receptions for AJ Brown. God, over. <laughs> I'm like, dude. I'm having flashbacks of Justin Jefferson early on in the season where it's like, is anyone going to cover Justin Jefferson? The only reason I'm, I'm leaning under on this one because of like Devontae Smith, that he was also going to get very open. And like you talked about the rush running game and how much they're just going to be able to hand it off to Sanders or throw it to him in the flat, things like that, that I think that'll eat into AJ Brown's receptions, but I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, over under two and a half sacks for the Eagles. God, over. Dude, I, I just think they're going to be coming all day long between Brandon Graham and and Jordan Davis and you know, just Fletcher Cox. Just they're all coming all the time. Like I said, they have a very deep rotation. Um, if, like, especially when you especially when you who's the kid they drafted out of Tennessee Graham. a few years back. I can't remember his name, but the defensive end from Tennessee. I want to say he already played. Um, regardless, like. Yeah, regardless, it's just there's it's just dude after dude after dude that you're just here they are, come come and get them. Yeah, and the D line got even better when Robert Quinn went on IR. <laughs> uh, over under, 0.5 turnovers for the Bears. It's just one turnover over. Yeah, that's. I was really hoping you would say over. Um, I'm hoping that they will also get that, but you never know with this team. All right, that ends our over-under segment. That's going to move us on to Bear Down or That Hurts, Don't It. Get it. So funny. Uh, this is where I'm going to run through a, uh, a Bear player, a player from the Eagles, and Danny's going to pick who he would choose given a certain situation. Uh, this one is going to be going back to uh, kind of a longer-term thought process. So three years. Over the next three years, who would you prefer? Okay. So first off, we got Dave Montgomery or Miles Sanders. Ooh, same draft class. Uh, 
you know what? I would actually probably lean towards Montgomery just because he's less erratic. Like I know Miles Sanders is more explosive and he's been more good lately, but I think that's also I think that's also a product of environment and what he's being asked to do. Montgomery is the stalwart of the offense that that isn't named Justin Fields. So I would I would say I would personally probably lean towards Montgomery. And isn't that so interesting too? Because you know, God going back to that draft where some of it was created because Miles Sanders was at Penn State right after Saquon Barkley. So everyone was high on Penn State running backs at the time. But, you know, the, the draft difference between a Miles Sanders and a Dave Montgomery and then kind of just how we view them at, at now, it just shows, one, how drafts change and, two, how the running back position is. Or let's go with – this one's more interesting. Khalil Herbert or Miles Sanders? Probably Miles Sanders. I would. I could see that. I might lean Herbert just because of age, but that's it. Uh, Cole commit or Dallas Goddard? Goddard. Every oh, time. Thought I got you on the commit question. Uh, Sam Musiver versus uh, Jason Kelsey. Uh, the corpse of Jason Kelsey, whenever he retires next year, I'll take over Sam Mustafer. The only reason I included this was literally because Kelsey kind of got dragged back in for this year, and I was wondering <laughs> if over three years – you that might change it, but I yeah. no. What does it change it for you? No, I still am taking Jason Kelsey. I don't care. I'll force him out there with a, <laughs> with a walker over Sam Mustafer. I don't care. Uh, Braxton Jones over versus Jordan Mailata. Ooh, I'm tempted to go Mailata. Yeah, Mailata. Riley Reef, Lane Johnson. Ooh. Lane Johnson at one point was arguably the best right tackle in football. I know injuries and, and age have kind of sapped him, but it's not like Riley Reef is young either. So I'll stay with uh, I'll stay with Lane Johnson. The obvious painful section: Darnell Mooney versus AJ Brown. Darnell Mooney, no. <laughs> AJ Brown. Chase Claypool or Devonta Smith. Devonta Smith. Equ- Equinemius St. Brown or Quez Watkins. Quez Watkins. Dante Pettis. <laughs> I'm Isn't telling you, this is the, pain, the obvious painful section. I said that right before I started it. Dante Pettis versus Greg Ward. Greg Ward? Greg Ward's on their practice squad for, for all yeah. this. Uh, yeah, last, Justin Fields or Jalen Hurts? So this is hard for me because anyone who's followed along with me knows I love Jalen Hurts. And the only quarterback in the league who I probably love more than Jalen Hurts is the Bears' current quarterback. So... Uh, it's Justin, uh, and it's honestly not a particularly close margin just because we've seen him develop in spite of everything versus we haven't seen the jumps and hurts prior to him getting more help the past you know, year over year, the last two years. But I will preface this by saying I was one of the few people who would plant my flag saying that, there's, that when he came out of Oklahoma – a couple years ago, I said he was not going to fail. He was at very least going to be a starting NFL quarterback for the majority of his career. So I, I was, huh. I, I think on that rare train that you were on to when during that draft, <laughs> I was like, God, figure out a way to get Jalen Hurts. Like, obviously, you know, Mitch isn't the answer. Like, who cares that you, what you spent to get him, get Hurts. And it just it obviously didn't work out. In our chat, John asked Smith or Mooney. Now that's harder. I'm still probably taking Smith. I'm uh, still just, probably taking Smith as well. 
but yeah. it's it's a much more interesting question because AJ Brown is not a fair question unless you're putting him up against like the other three or four best receivers in football. No, it's it's really not. Uh, one more offensive one uh, ish, uh, just someone who scores points: Cairo Santos or Jake Elliott. You know, I know it's easy to rag on Santos, but if he's inside of fifty, man, it's it's automatic. Like there's been there's been some weird ones, um, but yeah, I mean for the most part, like you said, inside fifty, and he's been nailing them. I mean, there's that weird every once in a while. There's an extra point he misses. I don't get that. I don't get it either. But I, I would probably lean towards Santos. But it's also because it, it I don't. It's not like I go out there and watch kickers. <laughs> All right, let's run through defense real quick. Travis Gibson, Josh Sweat. Sweat. Dominic Robinson, Brandon Graham. Graham. Or no, in the next three years? Yeah, three years. Uh, probably still Graham. Graham's probably still got a year or two left in him. Oh, oh, these number of years? Uh, same answer. It doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> Justin Jones, Linval Joseph. Justin Jones. Oh. Uh, Jack Sanborn, TJ Edwards. Oh, that's tough because I actually think TJ Edwards could be a Bears target this free agency. Um, that's kind of why I did it, yeah. You know what? I'll pr- I'd probably go Sanborn because I know he's a true Mike at this point. Sand God's in the house. Uh, Nicholas Morrow or Kaiser White? Kaiser. I don't think much of Morrow. He's been just – he exists. Uh, Jalen Jones <laughs> versus Darius Slay? Slay. Slay is Slay is like one of the most undercover awesome defensive backs in football, and it feels like nobody wants to talk about it. Except for the people that, you know, talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're specifically, uh, like, covering Eagles at this point. Uh, Jaquan Brisker, Marcus Epps. I love Brisker, so I'm going to have to go with Brisker. Kyler Gordon, James Bradbury. Bradbury. Kendall Vildor, Avante Maddox. Avante Maddox. The answer is usually just whoever isn't Vildor for you, essentially. And that's, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, which is fair. Vildor has just been... he. Ha- yeah, I might, we're not getting into the whole build or thing. Uh, game predictions. We're going to talk about, uh, obviously, the Bears-Eagles and a couple other ones. So, Eagles are favored by nine points. Who do you got against the spread? You know what? I think the Bears cover, but the Eagles still win. And it's not, oh. it's not, it's not going to feel like it's that close, though, if that makes sense. Well, I'm mainly annoyed because I really thought you were going to say Eagles and I was going to do this. But, but you didn't, so – I mean, I did it anyway. But because you did it I, anyway. I, Who cares? Look, there's two teams I can use that clip for, and it's the Eagles and the Patriots, and it ha- they happen to be both playing this year, and I used it for both, so it's, it was going to happen. <laughs> um, I was going to say the same thing, actually. Bears cover. Um, I think they lose, and I think you're right. I think it's a, you know, second to last or last drive, maybe, that that pushes it to that nine point where, they, you know, the Bears get a field goal or a touchdown, and you feel kind of gross about the game as a whole uh, just because of how bad the, the Eagles were right. offensively. But I think they cover. The Bears are scoring points. Uh, tonight's game, 49ers at Seahawks. 49ers favored by three. Who you got? Uh, you know what? I think the 49ers win and cover three is just such a basic number. Um, and you know what? That's my music because anyone who, again, kind of if you followed along with me for a while, Brock Purdy was my absolute guy a couple years ago following his sophomore year. And then he went back and it got worse. Then he went back again and for a senior year, and then it got, you know, even more worse. And it's like I 
I, everyone knows that I love you already. I can't go back on this. So I'm embracing the fact that the weird body Brock Purdy is is playing well in in his limited action so far under Kyle Shanahan. So there. I'll go Oppo with Seahawks. Um, Oppo Taco. I, I just don't know. I mean, also Purdy's coming. He's banged up too. Um, Ayuk is you're also missing Debo Samuel now. Is that gonna how is that gonna affect your offense? Can Ayuk step up and like legitimately be that number one? I think he can be. I just we haven't really seen that quite yet fully. Mm-hmm. So That's fair. I'll go Seahawks for now. Uh sure. Once the one that we're watching or I'm watching, Colts at Vikings, because it's what are Vikings gonna be playing for in that final game when they play the Bears? Um Colt Vikings are favored by four. Who you got? Vikings on both counts are gonna cover and win. I, I don't. I think, and let me say this: I think the Vikings are absolute paper tigers. Uh-huh. We are Amir Smith, Marset ripping the ball away from him, from them. Effectively, I think winning that game, and that's such a what if. Like if that doesn't happen, are you sure Justin does it the way he was playing that game? There is no doubt in my mind, right? So, and they're they're what they're ten and two or whatever it is. And they're a minus one point differential. Yeah, they're not. They're not actually good. They just—they're not good. Ball right. just bounces luckily for them every game, and eventually it's going to run out. It's going to run out, and it's probably going to happen in the playoffs in classic Minneapolis fashion. So um, I think they still win and cover because I think the. You know what? I know the world. A lot of people in the football world think very, very highly of Ballard. Um, I think that they might need a whole just changing of the guard. Yeah, I. But you're not wrong there. I mean, I like Ballard. I really do. But I think sometimes your voice loses some tenor, um, especially when you get your decisions taken away from you. Well, and it's also it, like it's one of those people. I'm one of those people like I agree with paying premium positions or pre- premium players at non-premium positions. So the paying of Quentin Nelson – was fine until Quentin Nelson was no longer a Hall of Famer. I don't know what happened. Fell off a cliff. Dude, he went from being the best guard you'd probably ever evaluate at Notre Dame to he can't play dead right now. And Darius Leonard, or sorry, what does he go by now? Uh, I know, I forget what he's going by now, but Leonard uh, is, is... is not playing either, and he's one of the best linebackers in football. Like, so I get it. Yeah, you pay your when your pre, non-premium position players that are paid like premium position players aren't playing, and everyone else sucks. This is what it looks like. Shaquille Leonard, thank you, John. Uh, but yeah, I knew he had changed it, but Darius Leonard is forever embedded in my mind. That's fair. That's totally fair. Uh, next one. Ravens at Browns. Browns are favored by three. Uh, the Bears have the Ravens' second-round pick, and Lamar Jackson's out. So the more they lose, the hot better that pick gets. Uh, Deshaun looks rusty as heck, which isn't surprising after basically not playing for two years. Uh, and also the offense just looks weird and Deshaun-y, um, if, that, if anyone knows what I'm talking about. But uh, what do you got? I, I think that the Browns inevitably still lose, but they cover. Um, because I just, that, that just seems like how the Ravens are winning this year. It's like all ugly. Even when, when Lamar was playing well, it felt like the games were just oddly close. And I know it was partially because Baltimore was 
almost like test running different styles of their defense early on in the season when he was on that tear. But I also, I, I, and I mean this with every ounce of pettiness in my being, I hope Deshaun Watson is awful for the rest of his career. I cannot emphasize that enough. So seeing him struggle to this point has been awesome. Mainly because fuck that guy. Yeah, I never swear. I, I I don't swear a whole lot on the show either because I try to keep it PG thirteen. But seriously, fuck that guy. <laughs> it's God. Yeah, made it easy. Made it easy to hate. And Browns made a what they felt was a calculated decision uh, to try to push it all in for a Super Bowl, and I think it's biting them in the in the butt. Good. Um, all that all that being said. I'm going to pick the Browns to win this. Uh, oh. The Ravens looked shaky with, with with Bateman going out with that with that foot injury. Uh, Mark Andrews is like their entire offense slash Lamar uh, being a part of that. Uh, I do like Tyler Huntley. I think he could be a starter somewhere. I think he deserves. Has that he cleared shot, concussion protocol? He has cleared concussion okay. protocol, which is wild. That's the fastest I've ever seen someone clear. I think he might actually get another ding in the head. So if he actually gets hurt again, you heard it first. I think it's going to happen. That's way too fast. That's insane to me. Um, but so, and with all that being said, as rusty as Deshaun looks, I mean, there still can be a run first team if he's not looking good. Uh, you still got Amari Cooper. I'll give me the Browns to, to cover. Sure. Uh, lastly, upcoming opponent, Dolphins at Bills. Bills are favored by seven points. Uh, partially, I think, oh, uh, partially the, the weather, uh, just because can the Dolphins play in the snow? Uh, who you got? Uh, I think the Bills win. I think it's going to be a close game, though, but it's not going to feel all that close because this is where – For I know, I know the – what is it? That two is like one or two in the league, an EPA per, per, per play action drop back or something like that. That's all well and good until you don't have the arm strength to push through bad weather, and he doesn't. He just simply does not have that arm strength. You saw it. So it's one of those things. Like this year, by metrics – he has Tua Tagovailoa has been better than Justin Herbert. If you watched last week's game, oh, there God. is no there is no way on this earth that you can tell me Tua Tagovailoa is even in the same conversation, atmosphere, stratosphere, country, continent. He's not on this planet with Tua. Like he's off on a world all his own in comparison to Tua. Tua is an average NFL starting quarterback who is good. He is they, a rep- a very smart offensive mind behind him. And, and the two most game-breaking, arguably, receivers in the NFL in terms of just what their speed can do. And that's fine. <laughs> that is all well and good until a game like this comes along. Add into that that the Dolphins, whether their run game is so they need speed, you're not going to have that. They're not going to bruise you in the run game. Uh, no. You're not going to have Tyree Kill doing Tyree Kill things in this kind of a game because again the weather and all that. So I will trust it. I will trust Josh Allen to just Josh Allen himself all over <laughs> the Dolphins defense uh, and the run game that has been better for them. I don't know what Josh Allening someone is, but I don't think I want to find out either. Right, you, you, you want nothing to do with that. It's not an enjoyable <laughs> experience. And that leads us finally to a coccyx and bull story, basically our bold predictions. Uh, my offensive one, Kari Blassingame gets his first touchdown with the Bears. And my defensive one, Kylie Gordon comes off the long break and gets a pick while Brisker gets a sack. All right. Uh, 
My Coxie's and Bull story. Equinemius St. Brown famously does not have a 100-yard receiving game since high school. He never even had one at Notre Dame. He's going to eclipse that this weekend. I don't know why I believe this, but it's ridiculous and it's fun. Uh, And we're going to say Kyler Gordon gets number interception number two on his career. Well, if if he has a long catch like he did against the Packers, that's already a giant chunk. There you go. Now you just need a couple more. Bingo. All right. Well, that's what we got. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode coming off of the bye. Uh, Thanks again to JT O'Sullivan. Please go follow him uh, at the QB school. If you aren't already go check out his Patreon. It's $5 and it's so good. Uh, Like honestly, all the information you get just for the Justin Fields videos. It's fantastic. Then you get every other quarterback, you know, they did a Jared Goff one, which is, you know, if you're a Lions fan, gross, but go watch that. Uh, Trevor Lawrence one was very good. And then he's also got other stuff teaching. So if you're someone who coaches, whether it's maybe it's middle school, high school, he's got tons of stuff there. Uh, so absolutely worth the $5 that you're going to spend in order to get some of that. But, you know, Danny, anything else you have before we get out of here? No, uh, hope everyone had a nice Thanksgiving and all that fun stuff. I'm sure I wished it before, but we're coming up on the next big holiday season. I'm sure we'll be back next week with it being the final show leading up to Christmas. But everyone be safe out there. It looks like we've got a pretty good snow coming down, at least on the northwest side of the city. Um, so enjoy that. Enjoy your holidays and always – enjoy spending the time with loved ones you don't see very often and you're tired of seeing by the time the holidays are over (laughs) well for both danny and myself bear the hell down bye